Hey, good afternoon, church. Good to be with you. Thank you for that kind introduction, Chris. Uh, I just want you to know, I root for you guys, pray for you guys, and you have, you are a church family here, Epiphany, uh, right here, and you also have church family that's not right in your town, in your region. Amen? And that's one of the great things about being a Christian. Not only do we get Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God draws us into his family. That's every nation, color, tribe. And we know how history is going to end with this massive, mind-blowing family reunion. All people from throughout history around the throne. We also, we get God and we get new family. Amen? And I know that's, that's part of the vision and you recognize that call, that that's what being a Christian is, is being part of a new community of Jesus, part of a new family. So you have family that's not right here, and uh, I'm your crazy uncle who loves you and prays for you, and it's so fun to be here. So amen. Thank you. So we're going to look at a passage tonight. It's at the end of the Gospel of John, and it's, this is a great passage to look at for anyone who needs a new beginning a new chance. The Gospel of John's full of like new things. Jesus talks about another birth, a new birth. You need to be born again. Uh, a blind man receives new sight. Jesus talks about a new joy. He's like, my joy is going to be in you. There's all these new things. And we're going to look at Jesus meets a guy. He meets with his friend after his friend's worst life mess-up. So the apostle Peter had said to Jesus, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. John records it. He said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. You No matter what happens with these other guys, because Jesus had told the disciples that, you know, he's going to suffer, he's going to die. And he said to him, you guys are going to scatter. And Peter said, hey, no matter what happens with these other guys, basically ride or die, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm not not going to deny you. And Peter didn't know himself. And Jesus' words were, before the rooster crows, before the next morning comes, basically, you're going to deny me three times. And that's what happened. In Jesus' trial, uh, Peter and John followed into the courtyard where Jesus is being being tried and appearing before rulers in a synagogue. Jesus, Peter and John are outside, and Peter three times denies that he knows Jesus. Hey, weren't you? You're one of the Galileans. No, it's not me. I don't know the guy. Are you sure? I think that was you. Someone else. No. A third time. I'm pretty sure I can tell from your accent that you're from Galilee too. And we know from another gospel, Peter cursed. No. Bleepity bleep, I'm not with the guy. And the rooster crows. And Peter's crushed. He had disowned Jesus. He bailed. He cracked. Okay? And he goes out and weeps. Now, why is this here? I'm just setting this up before I read this passage. Uh, we're going to read how Jesus meets him. And let's be honest, we need this too, right? This is a great passage 
for everyone who's deeply aware of the fact that you need daily forgiveness. Like we struggle with things. You can be a Christian and struggle with things and you need to fight your sins with both fists. And guess what? Spiritual growth is often slow and it's painful. And we have setbacks. And if you need fresh grace, if you need to be reminded again of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the love of God, if you need again and again, which, hey, by the way, it's every Christian ever, okay? If you're in the club of every Christian ever who needs to be told again and again about the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the newness of God, uh, the love of God, and how God gives us another chance and brings us into something new, this is a passage for you. We need to be met. So look how Jesus meets this guy. Uh, Listen to the word of God. John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now let me just set this up just for a second. This is after the crucifixion and after Jesus' resurrection. This could possibly be like this week, a week after Easter. We don't know exactly uh, well, it's actually after that, because this is the third time he appeared. This is uh, before Jesus ascends to heaven, but after the resurrection, okay? And the disciples are trying to figure out what all this means. This is before the gift of the Holy Spirit, where they're sent out into the world. And people have wondered, why, why is Peter fishing? Well, it's not, we don't nef- necessarily have to think he was like, I'm not a disciple or I'm not an apostle, he needs to make money and eat, and they were fishermen, and he was like, hey, guys, I'm going fishing. And they're like, we're going to do that with you. James and John were also uh, fishermen. So this is, this is what they do for their living, okay? This isn't like a Saturday hobby. This is what they do, and they go together to do this. Uh, Jesus has already appeared to them twice, and then this happens. After a night of fishing, and we're in this boat where they dip down nets and they bring them up, they have no fish. Then verse 4, here we go. Just as day was breaking, okay, after a night, they'd been in the boat a long time. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. So they cast it. Now they are not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And just as day... Then, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So let's just pause here for a second and reflect on what's happening here. After a night of no fish, at first, and they don't know who it is at first, a guy's yelling at them from the shore. And it's a little bit mysterious. It's like the resurrected Jesus, his identity. He's, he's recognizable. He has the, the scars. But he's a little bit mysterious, too. And sometimes in the Gospels, he's not immediately recognized. For whatever reason, maybe they just hear this voice across the water. Maybe that's what's going on. They just hear a voice, and they obey it. They have this huge catch of fish. They, and so many fish, they, can't, they don't know what to do with it. After a night of nothing, okay, it's miraculous. And John says, it is the Lord. It clicks for John. Now, John, he's not flexing when he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's not saying, Jesus loved me the most, or something like that. Jesus loved all the disciples. But John is writing this. He writes himself into the gospel because he was there. He's saying, this is what I saw. Okay, this is, uh, he just calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. Jesus loved all the disciples. He's not flexing in some way. But John, who wrote this account of Jesus' life, is just simply recounting what happened. And he says, so I said, so he shouts out, it is the Lord, and it clicks for all of them. And Peter, who had been stripped from work, grabs his coat and jumps in the water. And this is kind of, we pick up some things about Peter's personality. Have you ever had a friend, you're like with a group of people, and that friend is the guy that says, blurts out what everyone's thinking but is afraid to say? That's Peter. He'll just say it, you know? And sometimes it kind of gets him in trouble. Sometimes it's solid gold. And he is, he is a leader amongst the apostles. And that's what was crazy. It was known that. And he's the one who cracked. And yet we see Peter's personality. He throws on his coat. He swims. It's like, yeah, it's the Lord. He forgets about all his buddies fishing, which is kind of funny, right? He's like, you guys can deal with this. He just dives in the water. He wants to be with Jesus. He just can't wait to get to Jesus. And he comes on shore. Maybe he's thinking about, too, how he failed. And there's Jesus. He failed. And he just forgets himself. He's 100 yards out. And he just... He needs to be with Jesus. We see something else about Peter. Um, this is a side note, but it's interesting. He's strong, too. Like, as a leader, he was going to be used in a mighty way, uh, even physically. So the disciple, the rest of the guys get it in. It's off the side of the boat. They come ashore. The fish are there. Peter goes back out. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 
153 of the, the large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Now, um, Peter was strong enough to just go out there and handle it. It sort of suggested Peter was strong enough to just go deal with it. And Jesus told him, hey, go get some of the fish. Peter's like, I got it. Uh, 153 large fish. It's interesting. People wondered, is that a symbolic number or what's going on? No, I think it's going on. There are 153 fish. And that's exactly the kind of thing a fisherman would write. Like if, if you fish, you can ask someone, what's the largest trout you've ever caught? And they'll tell you how much it weighs. They'll tell, <laughs> tell you uh, how many inches. Okay, these guys who had fished for their whole life, they're like, hey, you want to know something about this story? It was 153 fish. And they were large fish. And the net didn't break. And you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. And there's something that Jesus is saying. Now, there's another time when Jesus first called these guys. He had, after another barren night of fishing, after another night of no fishing, at the beginning, like when they're just beginning to get to know who Jesus is, and Jesus had told them at the beginning of their whole journey with Jesus. Jesus had told them at the beginning, another night of fishing, hey, you guys with no fish, put down your nets again. And they're like, uh, we've done this all night, but okay. Because you say so, we're going to do that. The guy, here we go. And it was the same thing. It was a completely full net. And so that happening at the beginning of their ministry, this Jesus ministry, and they realized, hey, we got to follow this guy. And now it's happening at the end. What is God saying? Well, at the beginning, Jesus had said to Peter, look, uh, and James and John, who they're blown away by this miracle. He had said, you're going to be fisher, fishers of men. You're going to be fishers of men. You are going to catch people with the gospel. You are going to be part of being used in this world to tell what ends up happening. You're going to tell people about me. You're going to be used to as part of God's loving outreach to the world to bring other people into the new family of God. God is going to use you in your words and your life to bring people who are outside the family of God inside the family of God. God is going to use, he was saying by you're going to be fishers of men, God is going to use you to tell people who don't know the forgiveness of God about the forgiveness of God. God is going to use you to people who feel alienated and apart and alone from God because they are alienated, alone, and apart from God, where you're going to tell them the good news about the gospel of Jesus, and then God's catching them, you follow it, bringing them into a new family where they're reconciled to God, forgiven to God, embraced by God. That's what the gospel is. And the gospel net's never going to break. Why are there so many fish? Well, guess what? There's going to be all kinds of fish. It's not too many for the gospel net. Here we are 
2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, speaking a language that wasn't invented yet, and you're hearing the good news about Jesus. And I stand here as a man who's been caught by this gospel net and saved. Hey, you know what God's into? Saving people. God's really into it. God's into saving people. Amen? And this gospel net is going to have all kinds of people. It's not just going to be one language. It's going to be more languages than you ever know. Do you know what book in the history of the world has been translated into most languages? The Bible. It's going to have all kind of fish. And God's net is going to be full. And Jesus is affirming. Now think what, okay, that's true. Let me pause here again just for a second. God's into saving people. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved, you can be saved by trusting in Jesus, by giving your life to Jesus, by saying, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. You need to submit to him, to his lordship. Jesus is a king, and you need to submit to him and not be your own God and your own king. Because I'm going to make a wild guess that's not working out awesome for you. You want to mess your life up? Be your own God and your own king. And you submit to the kingship of Jesus and the lordship of Jesus and this, the saving nature of Jesus. Admit that you need Jesus to be your savior. And guess what? He will save you. Jesus Christ will save you. And that's still true. And if you're watching online, uh, it might be, who knows who's watching online? It might be that you found this because today God's made an appointment with you. God wants to save you. You can be saved. God's into saving people. Here's also what's going on. God's saying to Peter, a man who had absolutely failed, hey, guess what, man? You're still going to catch fish. Remember that mission, that destiny I gave you when I met you? Remember that you had a purpose? There was a purpose for your life? You're still going to catch fish. Remember what I said to you was going to be the nature of your life and your ministry? Remember, Jesus is saying by this action, Okay, he's going to state it with words, and we're going to go to the rest of the chapter, but he's stating it by this action, this powerful miracle. Peter, everything that I told you before about your destiny, your mission, your purpose in life, you still have that purpose. And I want to say to you, you know, I don't, I don't know what addictions you struggle with, or what brokenness you came into this room with. But when Jesus saves people, he also sends people. And I can tell you this, if you're a Christian, you also are still sent. You also have purpose. You also have a mission. And you are part of a church family that has a mission. Uh, Chris said it at the beginning. I know you guys rehearsed this. You're a family that, yes, you love each other. God makes us a family that loves each other. But you also serve 
Gloucester City and this region. And there's appointments for you. You ever been told you have an appointment? Oh, I didn't know I had that appointment. Yeah, I made you a, an appointment for the dentist. You know, maybe, or I made you this appointment. You got this appointment. If you're a Christian, guess what? You have some appointments that you probably don't know about. And what I mean by appointments is some chances, some opportunities that God has arranged for you to love and serve people in his name. And it could be something, it could be something as simple as like, you've been for years the one who takes your neighbor's garbage cans in. And they're like, hey, actually you're kind. And they figure out you're a Christian. And it's actually, you're actually trying to love people. And you don't have it all figured out, but that's real. They see the glimmer of the life of God and the love of God in you, and they ask you about it. It could be you're like, yeah, I'm actually going to pray. You pray for a chance to pray with somebody, a chance to speak a word to somebody, a chance to be Jesus' hug for somebody. You know? Be Jesus' hug for somebody by hugging them. Be Jesus' comfort by sharing the words of Jesus to them. And we do that together as a church. Right? And we also, God has made appointments for you. God has made appointments for you. Um, I'll tell you real quick about an appointment God made for me. Um, What's a plan on this? But here it goes. I feel led to do this. So there's this little town in central Pennsylvania we like to go to in June. It's like in north central PA. The bugs aren't out yet, and it's a great time to go up to this part of central Pennsylvania. One year, I need brakes done. So I meet this guy in town. Hey, thanks for doing my brakes. My brakes were freaking out. I couldn't drive three hours home to Philly. So I get to know him. He's into mountain biking. I'm into mountain biking. I go back last summer. We're going to go for a ride. Rest, the rest of his buddies don't show up. It's just me and him. And in the first five minutes of the bike ride we had together, the mountain bike ride, we discover uh, some things we have in common. We both have three kids. We've both been married for, you know, 20-some years. He's a little bit older than me. We have all this stuff in common. And also, in the same year, both of our wives have can- had cancer in 2018. And both of our wives, by God's grace, were through it. This happens in the first five minutes. And the natural thing is, if, if one, someone you love more than anyone else in the world is going through something that might be the end, you think about God and life. And so I just like, hey, dude, you know, my wife getting cancer, that's obviously an intense experience. Man, what did you do with that? God, life, but do that. And for the next two hours, while we're riding bikes, we talk about the gospel. He's like, these are my questions, and I have thought about it, and this is my problem. These are the things, and I was able to speak into that and also say, and hey, you know, dude, the next step at exploring all those questions, you got to go to this church I just went to in your town on Sunday. And he's like, oh, yeah, I actually know some people that go there. I actually, I could ask them. Yeah, you could ask them. And I went home thinking, Partly through needing to have my brake fix a year earlier, God gave me an appointment. Right? And in the first five minutes, 
where like all this comes up. I'm like, okay, I see. Look, I prayed before I showed up, you know, that I'd be used in whatever way, but it was just really clear. This guy's like, I've been thinking about eternal things. When you know that, when you're reminded of the reality, your wife will die one day. And guess what? You will die one day too. It makes you think about, is God real in a different way? Right? Amen? It was an appointment. God makes appointments, okay? And when God saves you, he sends you. That's just true. And just, that's true for Peter. That's true for me. That's true for you. That's true for you. Who are you called to pray for? Love in the name of Jesus. Bless in the name of Jesus. Serve in the name of Jesus. And it doesn't, you don't even have to flash it every time. You just do it quietly. And when God gives you an opportunity to speak about it, you speak about it. Let's continue in the story. Then this happens. Jesus feeds them. Let's not skip that. He feeds them. He's already got a fish on the fire. And they aren't feeding him. It's the other way around. This one time when he appeared to them, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and Jesus ate it. And it's true, he has a body that can be touched. Thomas touched his body, touched the scars, touched the wounds. But this time, they're not feeding him the other way. He takes care of them. The risen Jesus gives them this miracle which reaffirms the call, and then in the same way, takes care of them, supplies their need. Uh, They take the fish. He's already got the fire going. He feeds them. They're cared for in this practical way by Jesus. I just want to sit there for a second. Think of the care in that. Uh, Jesus, in appearing to them, fed them a meal, and then this happens. John 21, starting with verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. When you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Wherever, 
were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's the ending of the Gospel of John. Now, what's happening here? Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, is given the chance to affirm his love for Jesus three times. And it hurt him in the moment the third time. But do you see what Jesus is doing, though? Jesus isn't grinding his face in his failure. He's given him a chance to, yes, you do love me. Tend my sheep, tend my sheep. He keeps on saying, shepherd instructions. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And just as Jesus, in the action, affirmed that Peter is going to be a fisher of men, with his words, he's being sent as a shepherd. And Jesus gives him three chances to affirm his love for him. And then gives this prophetic word about his death because Peter actually did spread out his hands on a cross. He had said, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. These other guys might bounce, but guess what? I will never, you know, not follow. Guess what? At the end of his life, he did die for Jesus. Uh, He did stretch out his hands and was crucified for Jesus as well. But just as Jesus affirmed he's going to be a fisherman, he affirms him, you're going to be a shepherd. You are going to shepherd. And guess what? The church has shepherds. The church has leaders that are shepherds. And God is a shepherd, and he has under-shepherds. A pastor, a minister, an elder is a shepherd. And you have a, a church needs deacons as well to lead in service and wisdom. Jesus sends Peter as a shepherd affirms his destiny, says, yes, take care of my church. Um, which, which is important. Jesus cares about the church. He thinks it's really important. It's kind of culturally, a, there's a lot of momentum to say you can be a Christian and not care a lot about the church. Actually, Jesus thinks the church is a big deal and tells people that he loves to serve the church and tells people that he is saved to be a part of the church. He just does. Um, Jesus thinks the church is important. And he tells Peter, hey, feed my lambs. And then Peter does this thing. He asks about John. And the kind of the sense you get from the passage is this is a little bit of a private conversation. Maybe they were walking along. John's right there with them. And they can hear, John hears this. And so he records it for us. And Peter says, okay, you said this thing about me in older age, not being able to, I have to go where I don't want to go and spreading out my hands. Hey, what about this guy? What's his destiny? And Jesus basically says, look, if it's my will, if it's my will that he don't die until I come again, what is that to you? You follow me. Uh, Jesus, he's curious Peter isn't curious about someone else's destiny. You know what the answer is? Live in your own script. Focus on your own journey, your own story. You know, we can't white elephant gift our story and our journey with someone else's. You know, white elephant gift, it's that where, you, where you change stuff. You can't say, hey, I'd like my journey. What's theirs? Can I have yours? There's a journey that God gives you 
It's between you and Jesus. And you know what your job is? To walk in the script that God has given you. Walk in the journey that God has given you. Use the gifts that God has given you. Uh, Don't be obliterated by your past failures. Receive the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and live in the journey God has given you, the script God has given you. Use the gifts God has given you and serve as God enables you. Amen? Isn't that good news? Um, you, you You don't... Here, let me put it this way. I don't have your neighbors. Pastor Joe doesn't have your neighbors. Minister in training Chris doesn't have your neighbors. And the deaconesses here don't have your neighbors. You know who has your neighbors? You do. You know who has your family to love in Jesus' name? You do. You know who uh, God has put people in your life? You might be the only Christian that they're around, the only person that could look them in the eye and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for that. God has given you meaningful stuff to do. And we do it together as a church. And you do it uh, as an individual. Look, Jesus saves us and sends us. Uh, I want to I end with this, just real quick. Okay? Here are things not to do. Peter, Peter really did blow it, right? He denied Christ. And Jesus directly confronted with it. Four things not to do when you blow it. Okay? You don't deny it. Peter didn't say, well, I, no, I actually really didn't deny him, deny you. He knew that Jesus knew. He didn't deny it. When you're confronted with sin, with a way you've blown it, don't deny it. He didn't blame other people. Peter didn't say, hey, there were some other people there. Things got confusing. It was this guy's fault. He owned up to what he did. He didn't minimize it. He also didn't say, I'm so ashamed, I can't go to God. I'm just going to, what can I do? You know, he he didn't stay in shame. But he received the love and forgiveness of God. What are we supposed to do but go to Jesus and receive his forgiveness? And what does Jesus do? Jesus loves them, forgives them, and sends them. And Jesus will do that for you every time. Okay? If you're messing around with sin and playing, God will bring conviction. Unless you're still at war with them and stiff-arming them and running from them. Okay, God does not play. And God will break in. You want it to be the easy way, not the hard way. But you want to receive that. Receive the hard things that you need to hear. Receive the loving words that people are giving you, be open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, receive it. God's not doing that to crush you, but to heal you. God's not sending you that to obliterate you, but so he can pick you up like he picked up Peter and sent him. And Peter lived knowing that he was loved by God and used by God. And guess what? He was mightily used by God. So I just want to remind you of that. It, go to Jesus Let's be people who know the invitation of God. Jesus wants us to go to him, admit what we've done, receive his healing, and then go out. And healing, some, some, healing from some stuff takes a long time. But God has it for you. Believe it. 
And God has purpose for you and dignity for you. And he wants to, God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to send you. Is that good news? That is such good news. Uh, Church, believe this. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Know that this is true. I love you so much. I know that uh, there's leaders here who want to walk with you. If anybody's like, I feel stuck and what Jesus wants me to turn from, let's be the kind of people that pray for each other. I know that happens all the time at this church. Let me pray for us right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your gospel is so good. We thank you that this is here for us because not just Peter needed this, we need this. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, you came to him in a way that was really concrete and said you are going to be a fisher of men. You do have purpose. You are going to be a shepherd. You're going to shepherd my sheep. We thank you that that's true of us. God, I pray for anyone here uh, who's full of conviction of sin right in this moment, who's maybe been playing a stiff-arming God, Lord, I pray for them like I pray for myself. May we be like Peter, who just run to Jesus, who just jump out of the boat and go to Jesus. Uh, I pray for all, all my brothers and sisters here, those watching online, and we go to Jesus, receive his cleansing, new life, new purpose. Lord, come and meet us and lead us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.